Hello everybody, welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom Syndicate is about people who have a story to tell to inspire others to consistently, persistently pursue their potential. Rock Bottom's an opportunity to learn, change course, and tell your story to help yourself and help others. Your secrets are the prison of your emotions, so ask for help, tell your story. And speaking of telling stories, I have Lisa Tenner here today as my guest, and she is a book coach and author and an expert at telling stories. You can reach Lisa at lisatenner.com. It's T-E-N-E-R. And um, also on LinkedIn. And uh, you are also uh, teach at the Harvard Medical School and the CME uh, Publishing mm -hmm. uh, course. And... Uh, and the leadership course, actually, and too. There's there's a women's women in healthcare oh, leadership yes. course. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so Lisa appeared on Totally Well uh, show and is coming on Rock Bottom Syndicate because there's a backstory. Uh -huh. So that's what we wanted to talk about today of what happened to you and your growth as a person uh -huh. um, in your rock bottom time that led you to. Um, level up to a higher level of function and happiness in your life. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, it, yeah, it's such an interesting thing because I think when you think back to that rock bottom time, you think that me then would never have imagined, you know, the health that I experience now and the life I experience and a lot of dreams come true. So, and, and of course, you know, I think what usually happens with those rock bottom moments is they're the thing that pushed you into it. You don't see it at the time. So it's kind of nice to be here thinking back and like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to me to see this beautiful person and, and uh, ear to ear, you know, this huge smile and you look so peaceful and happy and yet we're talking about about rock bottom, so uh -huh. um, it's very hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope that people will, will find hope in the story. I'm but, sure. Um, yeah, it was it was it was an extremely challenging time. I um, I had gone to business school, took a job that was totally wrong for me, and then found this job that was a better fit, running a nonprofit. But um, right before I took the job, one of the board members called me and said. If you were my daughter, I would tell you don't take this job. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, well, what do I do with this? I've already quit my job, <laughs> so I didn't feel like I had a lot of options. But the job did not pay well, and there there was a lot of well. Once we're doing better, you know, you you'll be able to raise some money, and we'll be able to pay you more, running this nonprofit. But um, but I didn't realize what bad financial shape they were in. So. It was really challenging financially. I put like all my loans. I was only paying the interest, not any of the my college loans, oh, wow. um, yeah. and business school loans too. So I, you know, wasn't paying any of the principal, um, and uh, and so you know, it was a challenging time just from that standpoint. And mm -hmm. we really, uh, I was learning this field that I had no background in whatsoever. Uh, and it wasn't exciting. It was a wonderful organization, so there was something really wonderful about it, but it was overwhelming. And then I got sick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first I think there were signs that I didn't really uh, pay full attention to. I would be, a lot of our meetings were in the evening, so I'd be working all day. 
Um, and I think in a building that probably was a sick building because there were people, um, another woman who got chronic fatigue when I did, like the very exact time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, people who were getting cancer. I, I, I think I think there were issues with the building. But in any case, at the end of the day, we'd have all our meetings with board members and committees, and I'd just be exhausted. And I was hot. You know, I think I was mm -hmm. running a low-grade fever, um, but ignoring it. Mm -hmm. And then came January, and I just, I had some flu, for, or it felt like a flu anyway, for a week and a half or two weeks where I just couldn't even leave my bed. I was so completely flattened. And uh, once I was able to kind of get up, I was dragging myself around and dragging myself, uh, just completely nothing there. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I worked in a building. It was um, it, I, I ran a nonprofit, and it was it, it was housed by the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts. And on the fourth floor, there was a staff lounge, and and kind of like a little you'd almost you'd go into the staff lounge, and like around the corner there was this kind of hidden couch. And I would take two-hour lunch breaks and just sleep. Oh, wow. Just sleep for two hours and then go back to, we were talking about the importance of sleep. Yeah. It, it, I think it was what, I, I know that it was what m helped me get through the day, but I think it also really helped me heal to have that deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And, um, were you, you know, sleeping at night late. still? Or? I was sleeping at night, but I don't think I ever got really deep sleep. I yeah. never woke up feeling rejuvenated. Yeah. And, you know, when I could, when I had enough energy, I would go, doctor to doctor trying to get a diagnosis. And at that time, chronic fatigue was not even a term people used much. Most doctors hadn't heard of that. Mm -hmm. So it took a while, and eventually I got that diagnosis. Uh, and then later I got a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. But there was some pain. I, I, on the pain spectrum, I don't think it was like some people with extreme pain and fibromyalgia. But I had times that were very uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, with pain. Uh, and, but the, the exhaustion was the main thing. And I think there is this spectrum maybe with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia that's sure. similar. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually I got a diagnosis, but before the diagnosis, I, you know, I'd go in and I'd see a doctor and often, because I was just dragging myself to work, I'd come home and I'd just sleep. And, you know, I'd never do anything else. And then all weekend I was catching up, trying to sleep and catch up. So really I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have much of a life outside of work, and, and work was tough. Uh, but when I'd see these doctors, I'd been like holding it all in, right, trying to hold everything together. And as soon as I started to tell my story, I would cry. Mm -hmm. And so every single doctor, well, it sounds like you're depressed. Maybe you should talk to a therapist. And luckily, I was seeing a therapist, and she said to me, you know, I've been seeing you a while. This, this isn't depression. You're, of course, you're feeling somewhat depressed because of this health condition, but there's something going on underneath. Mm -hmm. There is a health condition. This isn't because of depression. So that was really helpful because, you know, I think the medical community often the first thing is, well, let's try some pills. Mm -hmm. um, and even when I got the diagnosis of chronic fatigue, uh, the doctor said, you know, some people have some good, um, some help, some relief with um, mild dosage of antidepressants. So I started to talk to some people who ran these support groups and who were themselves people with chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. And they basically said, well, if you know, they were on the mild dose of antidepressants and they said, yeah, it's helped me, you know, I can function 
but you know they still didn't feel great mm -hmm. and they um, you know it helped like a bit and they said but it, as soon as I go off the antidepressants I'm back where I started and I thought okay that's not what I'm going for like I there was an inner knowing that I was I was just going to be all better I was not going to take anything <laughs> less and so when that was the picture of well if I do the road they're doing that's probably what I'm going to get mm -hmm. I thought that's not for me so I saw all kinds of health practitioners, you know, everything from an osteopath who could only see me for 15-minute increments because of my health plan. So like he'd, and, and he didn't do much osteopathy in the health plan, so he would like move the furniture, quickly adjust my head a little, and then I was out the door. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe, you know, traditional osteopathy where you would really get more, um, more support to really move things, I think, yeah, within yeah. the body. Um, I saw this nurse who was doing these supplements that were like ground up organs of animals uh, and then she also did some weird energy thing that she, I think she called it a mohawk, I can't remember, but like I was trying everything and anything that might help me. And, um, and eventually, you know, I find one thing that helped a certain amount, and she actually helped it. I realized it was helping. I, you know, I was kind of wondering, but somebody had recommended her. And one day, I was going to work after seeing her, and I bounded up the escalator at Park Street. And, and it wasn't until I got to the top of the escalator that I thought, I just ran up. <laughs> like, yeah. something in me is different. So, you know, it wasn't like this instant cure or even one thing that cured me, but it was like very much over time, trying different things and each thing would get me a part of the way. Yeah. It's, you know what impresses me a lot? I, I run into this a lot and people, whatever that label is that they have or have been given, it's, it's like their forever thing now. They've mm -hmm. really come to identify themselves with that symptom mm -hmm. and they have no concept or belief of, of what you insisted on, mm -hmm. which speaks very highly of you, that, no, I reject this. This is not my <laughs> chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. This is, this is something that's happened and we're gonna make it go away now. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I to, to be fully honest, I think I did accept the diagnosis, like, okay, I have this, but I'm, 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 I'm not defined by it, and I'm not going to keep it. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting rid yeah, of it. Yeah, you have, to, you have it. Yeah. I mean, there's no arguing there. It's, yeah. it's what you do with it, and it becomes, rather than a symptom that's curable or treatable or improvable, mm -hmm. um, sometimes things can't be completely fixed, mm -hmm. but like diabetes, for example, you can really, with exercise and proper nutrition and sleep and all the things we do and removing potential things that are inflammatory and bothering the metabolism function of the body you can you can be safe you know you'll go right back if you go back to those old ways mm -hmm. but um, so it it takes a lot to when you feel like that to ever think you'll be better so yeah that's that's really fascinating how um, you persisted through it and found little pieces as you went along yeah and yeah. and you know the unexpected part is the gifts that come out of it so um, I was trying a bunch of different things and during the time I also got um, tendonitis in my arms from typing mm -hmm. and a friend had suggested um, 
what was it called? I'm trying to remember now. She suggested some kind of healing. Oh, Prager, Prager body work. Mm -hmm. And it was doing these kind of just gently loosening exercises. And, um, and so I ended up like interviewing that person to write an article because I thought it, this was, I don't know if Spirit of Change magazine still exists. It but does. Because it, yeah. it was a great magazine. That yeah. really helped me a lot, that magazine. Yeah, they but, give you a lot. They know a lot of people. They have a lot yeah. of contacts and options. Yeah, and yeah. just the, the articles. I mean, it was inspiring because I could see, it, it gave me hope. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought, I'm going to try to write an article, I think, about this Prager work. And, and then I thought it'd be interesting to interview different uh, holistic practitioners. So the next person I interviewed was Doug Jansen, who ran a school for energy medicine yeah. that taught polarity therapy, which is based on, it was developed by Dr. Randolph Stone in the 1970s. And it was kind of this integration of, he was an osteopath and a naturopathic physician. And he went to China and studied quite extensively there, studied quite extensively the Ayurvedic system in India mm -hmm. um, for, and was there many years and kind of put these things together to create this system of healing. And, um, and so uh, after interviewing Doug, I was you know, curious and I started seeing him as my practitioner and the results were very dramatic over time, you know, that, uh, but, but it was more, I realized that the, the, the chronic fatigue or whatever we want to call it, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, really had roots that were emotional. Um, they had to do with my not really being integrated a lot of the time in my body, not breathing deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and that it was more like how I showed up in the world that was creating this. And so as I, as I got more in touch with kind of mind, body, and spirit, um, and really got to know myself and, and release some of those energetic patterns and, and uh, changed diet and other things too and, and moved more, um, things started to shift and my health returned. Uh, but it definitely was a multi-year process, mm -hmm. and uh, polarity was the biggest influence, but there were other things, too. Can you tell me about polarity? I'm not so familiar with yeah. this as a modality. <laughs> Let's see. I have to think back. I actually ended up studying it for, I think, a year and a half or two years. Just I got a little definition. Yeah. yeah. But, but it really, um, there's a nutritional component, and a lot of that draws from Ayurvedic medicine mm -hmm. from India, uh, Indian traditional medicine. Um, there's an energy component or an active component movement that um, draws from yoga. But he kind of, I think a lot of the time he took, I think they were more kundalini exercises, but he Americanized them. He made them accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are very simple. Uh, and then there's also a component of that's more psychologically based. So we did a lot of work that one might consider gestalt work where you had, and now I've got to remember, um, but we'd have chairs for different aspects of the self mm -hmm. at, or different, or it might be different people in one's life, but there'd be like the chair you'd be sitting in and then you would have, I think a chair, I think this, oh, it was called neutral. Mm -hmm. So there was the neutral self or one might think of it as a higher self, but it, you know, you move into that chair and you'd speak from that place of being. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, I think, um, personal awareness that came with that work. 
And then there was a bodywork portion. So mm -hmm. the practitioner, you'd be clothed. It wasn't like massage. Um, but the practitioner might put hands on, let's say, often the joints, like maybe, you know, and, and you could feel the energy moving mm -hmm. in your body. Um, and so those kind of stuck places would start to move and things. And, and I think, you know, it was, it, it was very helpful for something like chronic fatigue because a lot of the pain is in the joints. And I think, I, I think there are a lot of things that, for me, contributed to um, my experience of chronic fatigue. But I think one was uh, toxins in the system that really, you know, were kind of stuck in places, right? And as I moved more and cleaned my diet more, that started to move and, and also change my thoughts. You talked, uh, I think, in our other interview about uh, as we change our thoughts. Yeah. That was definitely a big piece. Yeah, I, I think it was um, in the book by uh, Kamal Ravikant. He has a book called Love Yourself, Loving Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. Mm -hmm. And he, he uses the expression, let thoughts be thy medicine and medicine be thy thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the power of thoughts, and, and, and uh, also Lynn Delgatti, I think I mentioned her book mm -hmm. to you, Altered on Impact, where she, she talks about uh, self-healing. Joe Dispenza talks about self-healing, mm -hmm. so focusing on that, you know, being in that part of your brain where you can you know, focus on your body and really listen to what it's saying um, yeah. and taking you uh, it f into a healthier place over time. I mean, it's not the pill for an ill kind of thinking. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's so fascinating to me to hear how, you know, it easily, easily we fall into illness with just life, with one foot in front of the other, get up, go to work, you know, make your food, whatever, kids, dogs, you know, bosses, all the things, or you're in school, you know, all those pieces. And um, then you find yourself incapable of, of functioning, of doing any of it. Yeah, yeah. That that moment where you're not really capable of functioning, or or you're just barely making it through, mm -hmm. is such a wake up call. I think. Um, Did you ever feel like it was over? Like it's not worth going on? You never got I, to that well, point. I mean, I think there were times where I felt like incredibly frustrated and stuck mm -hmm. but I think some part of me always like there was a part of me that but yeah I think there were points where <laughs> it's hard to go back there now I guess there were points where like I felt so stuck I mm -hmm. couldn't see the next step but I think there was always that little piece of me that knew mm -hmm. I'm not staying here yeah yeah um, but yeah there, I mean there were times I felt incredibly not just frustrated, but you know, it was it was so hard. It just felt so hard, and, um, and you know, and it's a hard place to be around people. Like for others to be around you, I remember I lost some friends because they didn't want to hear about how tired and sick I was. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, that felt so hurtful. But you know, people are where they are, and and it can be draining to be yeah, around. Yeah, people run sick. away from it. It's scary, and the, and yeah. we don't know what to do, and. Yeah, and I, you know, I think I was in at times in a, like a, a helpless feeling place, and mm -hmm. um, so you know now I I understand that, but um, but you know part of what happened with the polarity is there is a spiritual element to it. You know, we're really getting in touch with 
mind, body, spirit, right? The physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of our body and who we are. And I grew up in a household where, you know, like, my father, you know, very much thought like religion divides people and, you know, religion is for those those people who are too stupid or something. You know, that was kind of his, I mean, my father's a wonderful man, but he really, uh, he, he, you know, he, he saw religion as very divisive. And so, you know, it was definitely an anti-religious home. And so, you know, I kind of, didn't really understand the nuances mm-hmm. and really didn't understand about spirituality. I thought, you know, people who believe in God, that's just a fairy tale. But I think when you, uh, you know, often I think with a crisis, like a health crisis, that's when you do discover that, oh yeah, there is something else. And, you know, you can call it God, spirit, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more there um, to life and that it's such an important part like without it we're not really complete Mm -hmm. and so for me at least you know that was that was really powerful to start to have a spiritual life um, and have that grow and grow the other um, the other big gift one other big gift of many was um, one day I was lying in bed and in, and this was when I was already studying polarity therapy. So one of the things we, there was sort of this um, way of thinking about energy as the elements. Mm-hmm. In Chi- Chinese and Indian, they both have like slightly different elements. But in Ayurvedic medicine and, and, and in polarity, there's the earth, air, fire, water, and ether. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, so I was lying in bed and I couldn't fall asleep. And... This was, at the time, kind of a familiar experience of lying in bed and feeling angry. But I didn't really know, I don't even know if I was quite calling it anger, and I didn't really know where it was coming from or what it was. It was just kind of this uncomfortable feeling I wanted to, like, run out of my body. I just wasn't comfortable being in my body. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I'm lying there, I thought, oh, this is fire energy, right? Anger is fire energy. What if I just imagine this as this really powerful energy coursing through my body and it really helped and then I could lie there I didn't feel uncomfortable but I could not fall asleep with all this fire (laughs) it was like uh, so then I thought uh, I started to think about it and I thought wow you know wouldn't it be interesting to like help people tap into their creativity and visualization and sense of humor with anger rather than you know kind of all the habitual ways we deal with anger. Mm-hmm. So, so I got up and I started writing this book. <laughs> and so, you know, that the book, when it was published, I realized I didn't really want to teach anger workshops after teaching a few of them. And so over time, it just evolved into what I do now, which is book coaching and, and creativity, creativity coaching and, and kind of being a catalyst for people's creativity, helping people write their books and get published. So I never would have imagined that, right? That was like so far off my radar screen. Um, but that was really the gift of the illness. Um, one, of, one of the biggest gifts, well, two, really, is that, you know, really discovering who I am in a deeper way and who we all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this whole new career that I never could have dreamed of. That is so fascinating. And just, I, I guess, just being open to possibility um, once you realize that you hit this milestone and this milestone that 
um, that there was more. So did you, did you have a sense that that was even possible? No, and then, and then when I started like uh, this idea, at first I started as creativity coaching. I was in a yoga class asking like, what's next? I, don't, I know I don't want to teach these uh, Who you anger workshops. I guess asking God, asking the universe, you know, like yeah. what's next? And uh, my guides, and, um, and it was like, a, it was the one week I had done Swarupa Yoga, which is very much about a straight spine, yeah. um, for seven days in a row. And so it was like this download, like, yeah. and I had this picture almost of, it's teaching people the steps I took to get in creative flow. And so at first I thought it was any kind of artist and writers and, you know, it was broad. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of put a shingle out there, I got a website together, um, and the people who started to come to me at first, you know, it was writers, and then it was people writing books. And so it, it just, you know, evolved over time. But I didn't know, and until that download, I had really no idea. And then there was the download, and then, but my husband would say to me every once in a while, like, don't you want to just get a job? Like, do you really think this is going to go somewhere? <laughs> you know, don't you, like, don't you think if it were a career, other people would be doing it? And at that time, there weren't a lot of people doing it. There were editors, yeah. but there weren't, um, there were a few creativity coaches out there. Eric Mizell, I think his work was already out there. But, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't quite have a model, and so I really was just kind of stumbling along. And, and there were times when it was very, very lean. It was hard to make money, and uh, and that was really challenging too. I don't know if it was a rock bottom, but we were in debt. You know, there was a period where we were in debt, and mm -hmm. uh, had to get out of that. And um, I always say rock bottom has a basement. There's like layers of because um, mm -hmm. it, it, it you you'll realize that there are many rock bottoms in our lives. Things happen yeah. that we you know can't control. Right, and that was certainly our financial rock bottom. Yeah. And so you know he had a good point, but he but he he never pushed me. Mm -hmm. You know he 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 uh, gave me the space to discover what I mm -hmm. was meant to do. And you know now it is a successful business and. Um, uh, yeah, I feel so blessed to do what I do. That's an amazing uh, journey. I heard somebody yesterday was um, on a podcast. I, w I wish I could say who to attribute it to. I can't think of his name. But he was using the acronym GOAT, greatest of all time. And he was, not that we should all, although I'm tempted to do an Instagram live, I am the GOAT. But basically, we are the goat. We're the greatest of all time because there's only one us. There's mm -hmm. only one Lisa Tenner who does it the way you do it. So mm -hmm. there's no competition. Yeah, that's a lovely way to look at yeah. things. It's, I mean, there are other people doing it, but to, for you to just continue to um, manifest and, and um, refine your essence mm -hmm. and just seeing how well that whole thing worked for you and, and, uh, and you attracted then the right people at the right time yeah. in the right way. Yeah, when, when we're in, you know, when we're in the right space, it does start to come more easily. Yeah. And I, I think the more, the more we clear things, <laughs> you know, the easier it is to, to be in that space where things just come to you. Yeah. Um, 
And sometimes it's what you like really envisioned and manifested, but other times there are a lot of surprises. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not exactly what you envisioned, and it's even better than we could have imagined. They, and with uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant, um, mm. one of the things they replayed was, um, was a talk he gave on his retirement, and he was speaking to his daughters. I hope I don't cry. And he was saying, basically, it isn't the destination, it is the hard work. So you have a certain amount of talent, for sure, help along the way, but it's you know getting up and doing things when you don't want to do them, mm -hmm. and the discipline and all of that. But that is, that is the destination, the journey, because what comes of it is better than anything you could have imagined. So, and it seems like that's exactly what's happened with you. Yeah, yeah, and I think you too. Right? Yeah, um, that's where I'm. That's where I'm taking this for sure. So thank you for that acknowledgement. I appreciate it. I know being open. I was like, who knew I was a podcaster? <laughs> so well, we're about out of time, and I'm really grateful for you um, being brave and vulnerable to tell your story. Um, it sounds like you're well prepared for any other rock bottom opportunity that comes <laughs> next. <laughs> and I hope you'll take full advantage uh, then. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your talents. Thank you. Yeah.